Good morning. What's up, Ryan? Yo. This is Blake. You're listening to the Weekly Anchor by Voyage Capital Partners. Um, so I'll get our disclaimers out of the way real quick, Ryan, and we'll jump into it and see what comes to our brain today. Uh, none of this is trading, investment, legal, or tax advice. Consult with your professionals on all things related to financial decisions for your life. Uh, Voyage Capital Partners is a commercial lending brokerage and nothing else. Not a financial advisor, tax advisor, or legal advisor in any way. So don't listen to us. Make your own decisions. And that's about it. So what's up, buddy? Not much. Happy Friday. Uh, yeah, happy Friday. It's uh, weird because it, in reality, I guess it hasn't been not very busy, but it feels like it's been kind of slow and not super busy in terms of like, big buzzworthy economy news we ended up missing yeah. last week because it felt like there wasn't a whole lot <clears throat> you know Excuse me. i know had you you had your stuff going on anyways but even if there was nothing going on it seemed like there wasn't a whole lot yeah it's uh yeah. i've tried to keep my head out of the news lately it's mm-hmm. just gotten too <laughs> insane <laughs> which hurts the uh content ideas but we got plenty to talk about. Yep. Yep. What are you guys doing this weekend? Uh, well, I don't think a whole lot anymore considering things are looking like they're about to close down again. Think they're going to shut you guys down? I don't know at this point. I mean, who the heck knows? I know Bear County has been getting hammered apparently with new cases. Yeah. Um, We're doing – I'm pretty sure, I feel like I've been reading, we're doing about just as bad as Houston has been doing. So wow. I think we are, and it's just, just knowing our mayor, you know, yeah. um, I have a feeling he will swiftly make action if things, I mean, I think we've broken our daily new case record or whatever, uh, at least two or three times this week. Dang. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Again, you know, all, all anybody can say is, I don't know. <laughs> right. That's honestly the truth. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, the only thing that scares me is popping up, seeing these restrictions. What I think it's, I think we had already talked about it, but um, like currently right now, like if I wanted to go to Germany, they are not accepting anybody. You will get stopped yeah. at the airport and told to turn around. And then, yeah. and I think it's no matter where you're from, but then, Starting July 1st, they're going to do restricting certain countries, and the United States is most likely going to be on that list. Yeah. Um, I've been reading that. A lot of countries don't want us. <laughs> yeah, which is completely terrifying. Belize is opening back up in August. You just got to get tested before. Yeah, that's what I think Hawaii said they were coming out and they were going to do that now. Hawaii actually said just because they're getting decimated by so lack of tourist travel – um, I read they were so instead you can either do a 14 day quarantine or you can get tested on the spot at the airport um, and if, obviously if you come back negative then you're free to do yeah whatever um, but boy wouldn't that suck if you plan a whole vacation thinking you're a-okay you go there because you're asymptomatic and you bought all your hotel got all your reservations for everything set up and you test positive <laughs> <laughs> What a bummer. That would be so like, yeah, I, I, yeah, they should do like a male test or something. I don't know. Cause I feel like 
there's going to, well, I mean, that was my first thought when I saw that it's like, I'm not going to book all these things and then get there. And then I'm asymptomatic. So I test positive and they're like, Nope. Yeah. You know, so then I just blew all that money and I have to try and hope to God I can refund as much of it as I can. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm not going to be able to go anywhere for the 14 days or whatever. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. Markets so we'll are chugging see. though, chugging along. I think the Dow's actually down for the week though. A little uh, bit. Let's Five days okay. down. Yeah. I'm sure it'll bounce back up. Stonks only go <laughs> one way. Futures are pretty flat. NASDAQ <clears throat> and S&P are up a little bit. Dow's down a little bit. We'll see where we open. I need another stimulus check announcement to pump it back up. Yeah, that's coming. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think it'll I think we'll hear more about it by end of next week, early the following week of July. Yeah. Um, so July, August is gonna be pretty interesting to see mm-hmm. where things are at. Uh, I think it's gonna be the most interesting. People keep I don't I don't I don't even know if it's worth you know, obviously it is worth talking about because we need something to talk about, but you know, seeing those numbers in July, end of July, early August, at least economy wise, job wise, all that good stuff is where that's really where you're going to get any of your information. Yeah. You know, cause that's the end of the PPP, uh, all that good end stuff. End of PPP, end of, is that the end of the extra 600? Yep. Yep. End of, yeah. end of the extra 600 a week. Um, yeah. Yep. Another interesting thing about the next couple of months for us, I was talking to uh, uh, someone else in our, our industry, uh, you know, that uh, has a pretty good read on stuff. Um, and in terms of lending, you know, they issued back in March, they, a lot of lenders, you know, he was just talking about in general as an industry, but, uh, you know, lenders started issuing, not because CARES Act required it, but started issuing payment deferrals on a lot of uh, equipment leases and oh, interesting. loans. Uh, so they basically kind of the standard thing was either most, I think for most uh, lenders, they issued just like a 90 day deferment of payments. Mm-hmm. And, mo- you know, most of those requests happened in March. So then you've got April, May, June with no payments. July will basically be when a lot of these contracts are due to begin again. Um, And ain't nobody have money yet. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see. We'll be able to get a good read, I think, in the next two months on what, what things look like from our industry because these lenders don't really know what their portfolios look like yet. And And I was going to say, you know – Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because a lot of people just requested deferment just in case they may not have actually been in, you know, a struggle situation yet. So these lenders don't really know how many of these that got 90 day deferments are uh, really in financial distress and, or how many will be able to start making payments again. So loan portfolios are going to take a beating. Us and our mortgage, you know, yeah. uh, When we deferred our mortgage, it's not, you know, I mean, in theory, I'm sure we could have survived and been just fine, but we took it out just in case. Right. Um, You know, and I was going to say, you know, what's what's an interesting thought to extrapolate it a little bit further is even if all these companies start deferring 
on their leases, you would imagine it would be a lot more all at once than what a traditional lender is used to. Are they going to be able to even take possession of any equipment that defaults fast enough? Are they even going to want to take possession of that much? I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, they just yeah. have to auction it off as fast as they can because it's not like they're going to have, you know, yeah. they're not going to want to rent space to store all this equipment that they have to Yeah. now all of a sudden get rid of. Yeah. Most know. lenders, the majority, not all, but most lenders in our world uh, sell bad loans off to <laughs> collections companies anyway. They don't generally yeah. pursue the equipment. But either way, I think a lot of it will probably be renegotiating contracts yeah. versus trying it's, to pursue it's easier to just renegotiate and try and help them out and you know to where they can start making the payments again versus yeah dumping it and moving on and uh kind of what he said which is what we've been talking about is like the service industry restaurant hospitality how are they going to be able to start making payments again yeah 50 percent occupancy i just don't know how many restaurants are going to be able to survive Mm -hmm. um yep but. I mean, they're barely getting by now. You know, I've, yeah. I mean, unless you were able to really up your marketing game for delivery. Right. And get people to know that you were, I mean, there was one uh, company here in San Antonio, a pizza joint uh, that used to be, well, it didn't used to, it is there. Um, it was over by the theater where my wife and I met and, Man, I was super impressed with like as soon as all this shutdown happened, I started seeing ads and videos on their Facebook and things just popping up like crazy advertising like come, you know, we're still open for delivery, you know, drive up, all that stuff like it started and I mean they are booming. That's right good. Now. And I was like, "Holy moly, that's super impressive that." Yeah. You know, like they like they jumped on it real fast um and started dumping money. And yeah. making videos and stuff like that. Uh, it was really impressive. Yeah. And I think this that's what's going to happen uh, with uh, like the uh, rental, you know, that, that article you posted about potential mm-hmm. evictions. I have a feeling a lot of landlords are just going to renegotiate. Because um, yeah. how easy is it going to be to fill an apartment that you evict right now? You know, that's very true. That is very true. Um, you're going to get yeah. somebody else who got evicted from another apartment to come over and rent. <laughs> yeah. Assist. I was going to say, I think I found, uh, I finally found the number from the article and funny enough, it's in the very first sentence. I assumed it would be hidden somewhere, but uh, it's saying anywhere from 20 million to 28 million renters are perilously close to eviction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're probably, I mean, that's a good point is, you know, what you, they're, they're going to have to weigh the risk versus reward of just booting, somebody out right now you know are you really going right. to be able to fill it that fast um you know and to the for point. on that point uh that's how capitalism would deal with a crisis like this if you if yeah. you just actually had a free market economy lenders and landlords it's it's expensive like keeping a customer is always cheaper than finding a new customer and that yeah. applies the same in banking and landlords. So, you know, if we, even without all the intervention, if, you know, if we had Blake's perfect world where first of all, in Blake's perfect world, people would have a lot of savings because their money wouldn't have been (laughs) inflated away 
<laughs> due to the yeah. money printer. But even if someone was in a situation where they didn't have, uh, you know, they, they didn't have savings to get them through a crisis, you would have lenders and landlords that realize this person is not quote unquote irresponsible. We have a global, yeah. a global pandemic and you would have a lot of renegotiating. And that's like, happening. you know, it's, it's why would you, and I feel like it'd be especially big for landlords and renters. Cause it's like, if you have someone that you know has typically made dependable payments, they haven't mm-hmm. absolutely destroyed your property. Right. You know, anything of that nature, why would you want to risk, booting them out, have to find some, because it's, I mean, I feel like, I don't, I mean, I'm not a renter, so I don't know, but thinking about it makes me think there's got to be some kind of inherent risk that you have to think about as a renter where, yeah. okay, if I'm taking this person in, you know, I have to think about the quality of my property by the right. time they're done. You mean landlord? You know, landlord. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Um, you know, and so if you know, you found someone that typically hasn't had issues making payments on time, right. they haven't completely thrashed your property to pieces, why boot them out? Right. And you could just, you know, unless it got to the point to where you can't make your mortgage payment. And so the bank is taking your property and you have to boot them out, I suppose. <laughs> that wouldn't um, help you make your payment though. The, I mean, no, the, no. that would, the bank would renegotiate with you if you've been a good borrower. Hopefully, yeah. And if not, a new borrower would come in and that doesn't necessarily mean evictions that the that's new true. Would come in. You know what I mean? The, yeah, we just don't true. think about how things, and the perfect microcosm of this is our industry. Our lenders were not required in equipment finance. There's nothing that I know of that required them to defer anything legally. Yeah. That was a pure free market decision to say, Hey, these are good borrowers. We have a global pandemic. If we get to the other yeah. side of this thing, they're going to be able to maintain you know, they're going to stay good borrowers. They're not just all of a sudden irresponsible because a pandemic happened. You know, they're responsible yeah. before. They're probably going to be responsible after. So the, uh, you know, a free, a free society has a way of managing these things efficiently. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a feeling do that. I, I mean, my mortgage, I don't know. I was thinking about it and I did a little bit of research and I couldn't find anything. And I feel like my mortgage company is kind of doing the same thing. Cause I think I told you the other day when I talked to them, they said like, Oh yeah, we're offering, you know, you know, you'll be able to bump up your deferments for up to a year, you know, and she's the lady that I spoke with said something about the CARES Act and I couldn't find anything about the CARES Act saying it would last, the, the mortgage and rent relief would last for a year. Everything I saw was six months at the most. Yeah. So it got me thinking, you know, I wonder if that's just something that their policy. My mortgage company is doing, you know, cause again, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense why, you know, if you know you've got someone that has a good track record of making payments, you know, and you have something going on, why exacerbate the situation even more for yourself? Right. By booting that person out. Right. That would have been the the ideal solution, um, you know, but we just, it never works out that way. You know, we got to print money and. Oh, uh, yeah. Send it out. Yep. <laughs> we got to have our Mostly to the coin. big bankers. <laughs> we got to have our freedom coin. Yeah. Uh, that was a great, a great video. Uh, shout out. That was a uh, really good video. George, George Gammon. Gammon. Yeah. He would be such a fun guy to talk to have on here and just, yeah. One day chat with, um, he, uh, he's, uh, he's really, he's the best, best I found at just breaking down, yep. you know, economic macroeconomic ideas. Um, 
And it's funny because you know if there was an app that did this, it would be called the Freedom App. <laughs> yeah. Well, because that's Andrew Yang's thing is the Freedom Dividend. Yeah, it would be called the Freedom Coin and the Freedom App. Um, they've talked about it. I mean, they've talked about yeah, having honestly, a, a treasury coin. I mean, there's, sort. yeah, I mean, that would be as, I, I don't know. I mean, if you could figure out some way to efficiently do some kind of know your customer situation, KYC situation for the app. So that way you're not accidentally, I don't know. It's just like, and I guess I, I'm mentioning because of the, what was it? 1.4 billion. That's people what I was about to say. The government stimulus. doesn't care about KYC. Yeah. It's like, I don't <laughs> think they'll ever be able to perfect the system where. No, the government can't perfect any system ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that's a train wreck of a, of an idea. And he didn't talk what, about it yeah. in that. He didn't talk about it in that video. Uh, but another reason that the government has a really huge incentive to create an electronic currency is because that is what can really open the gate for negative interest rates. Um, and the reason for that is as long as we have physical money, people can make a run on banks and hold cash. And oh, if you have yeah. negative interest rates, you need to be able to charge people for holding money. So yeah. if people stop holding money in banks because of negative rates because they don't want to pay the the fee because that's what happens with in a negative rate environment. I know we talked about it like months ago, but it might be worth breaking down. But if they were to take our rates negative, that would mean depositors would be uh, yeah paying interest instead of collecting interest. Um, you should have tweeted that to him. Yeah, <laughs> I. Uh, he was the one I talked to about negative interest rates before too. He helped me kind yep. of clarify some of my thinking on some of that, but, but that is, there's an incentive because if there's an electric, if there's electric, if there's an electronic coin in an app and they say, you got to spend this money, but you can't go withdraw it. It's electronic. Well, then they can be charging you interest on anything that you hold in any type of electronic account that you can't get out physical. So it'll yeah. prevent people from making a run on banks and they can take rates as negative as they want. Um, it's interesting, you know, cause the first thing he said too was basically what, uh, what uh, Mark Cuban was saying we should do, which was the, you know, you get this money and you either use it or you lose it. Yeah. Um, you know, you get it within 30 days or whatever and yeah, you got to dump it. It's a, um, it's a horrifying idea, but, Mark Cuban's idea, I think, was just like a one-time thing. I don't think. I uh, know it was like it was like he's for a UBI type thing. It was like I don't remember how much it was. It was either a thousand or two thousand every two weeks, and you get fifteen days to spend it or something. I think. Yeah, I mean, something talk like about that. a fake economy, man. Uh, yeah. It's uh, I mean, I don't even know. It's just such a it's such a bad idea, and, it, oh, it and was, he talked he talked about in the video the how much the private sector has shrank. Yeah, uh, that was crazy to see. Yeah, and that's the problem that you know you can't just you can't print you mm -hmm. you can't the government can't create productive activity. Printing no. money is not mean there's more production in the economy, and that's what an economy is is production. Um, yeah, but uh, and really what was it that, that way anymore? Um, he said something. I can't remember what he said, 
Oh, but you know, it's funny. It got me thinking kind of going back a little bit to the, what I was just saying about Mark Cuban. Um, you know, it, it's kind of funny because if we got to the point to where something like that was legitimate and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, you're getting $5,000, but you have five days to spend it, you know, sending us into hyperinflation and whatnot. Um, it'd be funny cause you would, I'll bet you would see, you know, businesses that would sh just dramatically shoot up their prices on those days because they know everybody just got an infusion of $5,000 cash that they have to spend. Yeah. Even without businesses, I mean, you're right. That, that would exactly probably be the case. But even if they, I mean, even if they weren't doing it for the sake of making, I mean, just naturally prices, I mean, you would have a $50,000 yeah. lunch meal. I mean, people don't understand prices will not remain where they're at. You don't just get you whenever the government issues a UBI payment, you're not getting $2,000. Let's say it's $2,000 a month. Yeah. You're not getting $2,000 of value because costs will have to be adjusted for all that new money in the economy. Yeah. So your purchasing power doesn't change. Uh, it goes down over time because I mean, you look at, he, he even showed it in that video a 50,000 peso note. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. like, imagine us having a $50,000. Which is crazy too. Cause pocket, that was you know? from, no, it was from Columbia, Columbia, yeah, which Columbia is where peso. he lives. Yeah. You know? So it's like, that's just, yeah. He doesn't make it's, Colombian pesos though. No. If you had not. to ask me, I don't, I imagine he makes us dollars yeah. and gets a nice conversion rate, which is probably the way to do it. <laughs> if yeah. I had to guess. <laughs> what was it? I was reading Argentina too. Apparently is, has one of the easiest, uh, citizenship requirements. Like you can get an Argentinian citizenship faster than just about anywhere. Yeah, All you have I've to do. I've oh, read that too. No, I was yeah. going to say I read that because it got me thinking about it again. Just to not even if it was like a pack up and leave anytime. Yeah. In the super near future, but just the idea of getting a second citizenship somewhere. Yeah. You know, where's somewhere that you can get it quick and easy right now? The places that I'm looking is Colombia. Uh. Brazil, if you have a baby in Brazil, there's a nice mm -hmm. little potential route. And <laughs> I'm not opposed to that. Uh, Belize is a Belize has everything going for it except the banking, to my understanding. I've been studying that. Uh, they're really private with their banking, which you might say is nice, but that makes it really hard to do business anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm no expert on that stuff, but I've been studying a lot what options for getting on out of here are at least getting yeah. a, a second passport at some point. Um, you start balling out of control. You can just buy a second passport from St. Kitts for about 150 grand. Yeah. I was about to say, mail well, it to you. you don't even have to go that. there. Where the hell are you going to get that kind of money? Well, if they start inflating the currency, you might have 150. <laughs> I don't know if that'll, it'll be like that anymore. I don't think yeah, St. Kitts is just going to sit by. Yeah. <laughs> be like, yeah, we see that happening, uh, but that's okay. Yep. Um, 
So let's look at this article that I got and see if we can go anywhere. I saw this in Teen Vogue. So we're mm-hmm. teaching our, our teenagers. What is What are teenagers now? Are they Gen Z? Who the freak knows? That sounds right. <laughs> so Teen Vogue. Who is Karl Marx? Meet the anti-capitalist scholar. I mean, you got to hear the way they paint. Did you Ooh, read this? Did you actually read this yet? No, I didn't get a chance oh, I can't to wait read to read yet. this to you. The communist scholars' ideas are more prevalent than you might realize. I mean, they paint them in such a beautiful light. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this. You may have come across communist memes on social media. The man, the meme, the legend behind this trend is Karl Marx, who developed Jesus. the theory of communism which advocates for workers' control over their labor instead of their bosses, parentheses. The political philosopher turned 200 years old on May 5th, but his ideas can still teach us about the past and present. Let's talk about this for a second. They can teach us about the past, that's for sure. <laughs> I know. So, I, uh, as much as socialism and communism is in trend today i'm sure that will make some people angry so that's fun but um just right off so it advocates for workers control over their labor instead of their bosses this is such a weird perspective um because actually capitalism is the only thing that allows someone to own their own labor Mm -hmm. and the reason is in capitalism you get to auction your labor to the highest bidder or to the bidder that best suits your, your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, whether it's money, you know, freedom, time, freedom, right. Flexibility, all these, these things, capitalism means that employers actually have to compete with each other to get your labor. You own your labor in capitalism In communism, the state owns your labor, right? The idea of Karl Marx was, uh, from everyone according to their ability to everyone according to their need, which just sounds so beautiful. Um, we're going to provide for everyone's needs. Uh, but history has shown that that is failed every time it's ever tried. But what that really means is a hundred percent income tax. Yeah. Which completely removes all incentive for any productivity in the marketplace. Um, We'll get into that in a minute. I don't want to get too off trail. What I, when I read that, I, I mean, I just thought, what a strange, either you don't have any understanding of economics to say something like that, or you know what you're saying and you're just trying to push a narrative. But the idea that communism allows you to control and own your own labor um, is, I mean, it's completely the opposite. I don't even know what yeah. else to say. I mean, it's, it's capitalism that allows you to go to an employer, sell your labor because you own it. Uh, if you don't like the situation, you get to quit and leave at any time and go to a different employer and sell your labor. Um, and it's, it's the, it's the, it's the employers and the bosses, right? The, the big bad mm-hmm. bosses, they actually have to compete against each other to get good labor in a real free market economy. Um, yeah, but why are you telling that to the guy that only has fast food work experience <laughs> that he can go somewhere? What do you mean he can compete for his labor? He's only getting offered $8 an hour everywhere he goes. Yeah. 
Well, that's where you, I mean, you got to develop some skills. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, you know, there, I mean, dude, that I, I probably I upset personally, a lot of people with that statement. It's okay. I, uh, <laughs> I personally have, I personally know of individuals that have worked fast food chains from entry level to owning franchises. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, plain and simple, you, you have to develop skills to, uh, to sell labor at a higher rate. So you yep. get a fast food food job, you learn some customer service skills, you, you know, that you learn some people skills, some management skills, you get promoted to a shift leader and then you work your way up or you go compete out your labor to other employers for a race. Um, mm-hmm. But at least in capitalism, you have that, choice in communism you don't have that choice um i started out working at a finance company sold my labor decided i started as an entry-level salesperson so i i mean you did too so i'm i'm speaking but i'm talking about my career path i started out making 150 plus phone calls a day getting rejected getting hung up on getting told no and grinded it out um, for wages. And eventually I got promoted at that job and was able to go from a salary to a salary plus a commission. And when I was 23 years old, I had my first killer month, right. And brought home, Mm -hmm. you know, more money than a lot of 50 year olds I know, but I grinded out, worked nine hours a day, you know, very, I don't know what else to say. Like I freaking, I, you know, I killed it at that job. And then I didn't like some things about that job. A lot of it was culture related left, uh, ended up going and working at another company, right. Exchanged my labor for, I wanted more, a better environment than the one I was in. So went and worked at another job, continued to build my skills there, eventually left. And instead of, selling my labor to another company, I decided to start a company and start a business. And now we have a small business in Voyage Capital. That's what capitalism allows you to do. Communism, there is no private ownership of any property. You can't start your own business. And regardless of what Mm -hmm. people say, you don't own your labor. The state owns your labor. Um, So there you go. That's Blake's thoughts on on owning your labor. You're not wrong. Now, now it's just, obviously, that's not I have the a cool thing. Yeah, obviously, I have a lot of problems with the way that the United States economy is run. I have a problem that it's so hard for someone that's starting at McDonald's to be able to put food on their table. But yep. the solution to that is not more socialism. The solution to that is turn off the money printer, um, you know, and allow you know, people's value of their savings and earnings to actually do something, um, you know, but yeah, well, instead we push more into, so we go further into socialism to try to fix it. Um, mostly by people who have good intentions, but a lot of people know what they're pushing, especially politicians. They know what they're pushing. Uh, all boils down to how can we make people more reliant on the government? (laughs) 
I mean, I, I, I don't honestly, that's what, that's my, what I firmly believe the philosophy of the government is, is how can we make people as reliant on us as possible, as fast as possible. Yeah. Or without them really knowing that it's happening. Yeah. It may be that devious. I don't know if it is. I think maybe, and I mean, you really could be right, but I think a lot of it is just how can I get votes? If I promise more free stuff, I can well, get yeah, more votes. Yeah, we become real. Yeah, we get free votes. Right. We get, we we buy their votes from them. Then they're reliant on us because we get them on, you know, yeah. two thousand dollars a month. Now they're relying on that two thousand dollars a month, and we've got them right where, yeah, we want them. So and they can't they'll go always, anywhere. They always vote for us as long as we promise them a few yeah. more breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's <clears throat> keep reading this. Um. Man, this is. Just, the famed German co-authored the Communist Manifesto with fellow scholar Frederick Engels in 1848, a piece of writing that makes the case for political theory of socialism where the community, rather than rich people, have ownership and control over their labor. Again, capitalism is the only system that allows you to actually have control over your labor, um, which later inspired millions of people to resist oppressive political leaders and spark political revolutions all over the world. Um, let's see. I'm skipping some of this. It's just weird. I mean, I get, I don't know. It's so, you know, cause it's like, obviously there's a humanitarian side to it that means well, but it just doesn't work like at all <laughs> no yeah. um let's let's name a few uh ussr yeah. lenin stalin china mao yeah. yeah uh north korea yeah kim jong-un good track record so far right yeah um venezuela, venezuela. <laughs> I looked up the numbers and the conservative estimates are a hundred million people died at the hands of communism. Um, and so let's talk about some of the, uh, the issues with it economically. I know I'm speaking kind of sarcastically when I read about it and I'm not sorry. It's the most hideous ideology that has ever walked the face of the earth. Honestly. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to bring someone on that believes in socialism that, you know, to talk to, you know, hear it from their mouth, what they think. Yeah. It means. And well, here's uh, what, here's what I've seen is you got people like, um, you know, you got someone like Andrew Yang, who I don't know if he's professed himself a socialist, but I don't know what else to call he UBI. Is. No, no, he hasn't. Um, yeah. Okay. UBI is one step away from socialism. So yeah, I'm calling it economic socialism i mean it's i don't know what else to say that's fair but but his idea is we live in the wealthiest richest country in the history of the world how can we not afford to give people two thousand dollars a month right or a thousand dollars a month or whatever his dividend is um and the we don't live in the wealthiest richest richest country in the world we just don't we live in the most materialistic for sure we have the greatest wealth effect bubble of any in the history uh, of mankind for sure, but it's completely been driven on debt and money printing. Uh, that's not entirely true. We, we, we achieved a certain level 
based on free markets and capitalism, the industrial revolution, when, uh, you know, when you went through the greatest wealth growth in the history of, you know, of the world, that, that was definitely on the back of capitalism. But mm-hmm. what we have today is not, is not a healthy economy by any stretch. I mean, there's just no way I mean, we're $26 trillion in debt and no sign of stopping. Um, so once you start giving out that money, uh, people just don't understand what hyperinflation does. I mean, Venezuela, uh, let me read you this article. Hold that thought. Hold kind of, the thought. We're kind of jumping around, but that's okay. All right. So economics21.org. I know nothing about this organization, but they had a good write-up on Venezuela. Um, so let's see. All right. There were three, there are three main policies in, implemented by Chavez since 1999 that produced the current crisis, widespread na- nationalization of private industry, currency and price controls, and fiscally irresponsible expansion of welfare programs. One of Chavez's first actions was to start nationalizing the agriculture, agriculture sector, supposedly, supposedly reducing poverty and inequality by taking from rich landowners to give to poor workers. From 1999 to 2016, his regime robbed more than 6 million hectares, hectares, however you pronounce that. Hectares. No, hectares. It's not an acre. Oh. Anyway, of land, 6 million hectares from its rightful owners. Nationalization destroyed production. See, this is what communism does. Mm-hmm. And this is what money printing does is just a slower path to it. When you print money, you are not creating new productive activity in the economy. You're just creating paper that people can, for a short period of time, go scoop up goods. But eventually those goods get... Uh, you know, have to go up in price because shortages get created. Nationalization destroyed production in affected industries because no government has the capacity to run thousands of businesses for the profit motive to run them or the profit motive. Sorry. The government doesn't have profit motive to run them efficiently. So this is why capitalism is important. Profit and losses or we've talked about it, but we can go into it again. Profit and losses are just um, signals to the market of where resources need to go. Yeah. And what the biggest, um, the biggest flaw of communism is it's evil, but outside of that, I mean, it robs individual freedom completely, but outside of that, (laughs) the, the economic flaw in communism, probably the biggest one that I can think of is that it removes price, uh, pl- uh, price discovery. Yeah, because prices are set by the government, aren't they? In right. Communism. Correct. Um, you get your income from the government. You get your little handout, and they tell you what stuff is worth. Um, yeah. And so when you have no price discovery, there's no way because profit motive is what tells a business what they need to charge for what they're selling, and that goes yeah. all the way down the supply chain. It's not just a grocery store selling you a uh, you know a a, a steak. It's the rancher. It's the meatpacking facility. It's yeah. the the plastic manufacturer that wraps that, uh, you know, the meat in the packaging. I mean, all these things. There, there are pricing. So you signals. better hope you have a skill that they say is worth a lot, because you don't get to pick it. <laughs> right. 
but it doesn't matter. Your skill is no, I, yeah. everybody gets the same, right? It's, Oh, that's yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it removes yeah. incentive. Not only does it remove profit incentive from businesses, it removes profit incentive from individuals because as an individual, you need to think of your own self as a business. You're selling in capitalism. Mm -hmm. You get to sell your labor to make a profit for yourself and for your family. And then you spend some of that money and you save what's left. That's your profit as a family unit in capitalism. Well, in communism, that's completely removed. There is no, even down to the individual, there's no prof, there's no price discovery to tell you, oh, you have this skill, you should go sell it here to generate mm -hmm. productive activity for the economy. That it completely removes any, any signals that typically tell resources where to go. And that's why you get people literally, I mean, Venezuela, there are people stealing animals from the zoos to eat them. That's yeah. how bad it got down there. There was no food. Why was there no food? Because you nationalized the entire food industry and there were no uh, price signals to tell resources where to go. So um, let's see. All right. Nationalization destroyed production. Uh Da, 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 da. Government officials face incentives to please voters by selling products at low prices and hiring more employees than are necessary, which again, they already no, do no, that. Right. No profit mode anywhere. The government gets involved. That's exactly what happens. And this is why, mm -hmm. um, this is why, you know, when we talk about government, should, shouldn't government help people, you know, in bad times, the government doesn't have anything to help anyone with. The only thing the government knows how to do, I shouldn't even say knows how to do it. It's, it's designed. The, the government only functions by leeching off of the economy through taxes and money printing mm -hmm. and, and borrowing. Right. And that's why, you, you know, when you look at George Gammon's explanation of the private sector shrinking because the government has grown and now there's less of a private sector for the government to leech off of, which is why we have to print so much money because there's less tax revenue coming from the private sector. Um, and so the more you tax the private sector, the, the, anytime they, when you think about taxes, what the government does when they tax money out of the private sector, they're, they're, they're actually removing production from the economy, right? So let's say yeah. I make a million dollars a year. I'm a dirty capitalist. If the government takes half of my income, cause that's probably what it is, uh, you know, between federal and state, you're actually taking $500,000 that could be invested into jobs, into capital equipment expansion, into uh, R&D for better products or whatever yeah. type. So you're, the government's actually removing productive capital from the economy uh, the more it taxes. So it's, uh, the, the government doesn't have anything that it doesn't steal. And people think, well, the rich have it. We should steal it from them. Even if that's your mindset, which that's not my mindset. I mean, I think that's, if we, all, if we had 10 people on an Island and we, six of us voted to steal from the other four, I still think that's wrong. You know, just mm -hmm. because you, just because it's democratic and you vote to rob a certain, you know, I don't, I don't see that as a moral thing to do, but even if you think that that's okay to do, you know, you think, Hey, we should go tax the rich. We, the, um, Tony Robbins actually did a video on it showing that you could tax the riches, the entire wealth of every, 
every wealthy person, you cannot pay for the U.S. government with it. We spend too much money. So what happens is we have to end up printing the rest of it. And the money printing is a tax on the poor and middle class far more than it is a tax on the wealthy. Yeah. Which we've um, talked about that before, yeah. Right. And so anyway, boy, we're really stoking the fires today. I feel like uh, – didn't George Gannon mention that too in his video? He mentioned something about taxing – wealthy i thought he said something about it i can't remember he I may have. watch it again um but he made a point since similar effect oh it was but it wasn't so much that even if you tax the rich that um hold on he actually had little bullet points in his video let me pull up his video on on his little chalkboard or not chalkboard but whiteboard right. um i'm gonna read this real it. quick okay so this is continuing on venezuela as economic theory predicted State control of the agricultural industry increased and Venezuela's food production fell 75% in two decades, while the country's population increased by 33%. So you got food shortages and population increases. Um, Which is interesting that that happened with food shortages. Shortages. That well, you, I don't really know how to explain that necessarily, but you know, if you're just paying people to live, you know, you're yeah. kind of giving money out. They got nothing to do with sit around and procreate. I uh, guess, yeah. After agriculture, the oil regime nationalized elect. Sorry, good grief, I can't read. After agriculture, the regime nationalized electricity, water, oil, banks, supermarkets, construction, and other crucial sectors. Um, government payroll increased and gave away products at low costs. Uh, resulting in days-long countrywide blackouts, frequent water service interruptions, falling oil production, and bankrupt government enterprises, obviously. Um, let's see. Socialist regime implemented price ceilings on hundreds of basic products such as meat, uh, milk, toilet paper, and artificially low prices, more people were willing to buy these products, but the few private factories that were there left uh, that weren't nationalized because there were a few could not profit at the government price caps. Good grief. I cannot read. I'm sorry. You get what I'm saying? There were a few mm -hmm. private factories that were allowed to remain, but they couldn't make money because the government had implemented price yeah. ceilings. Um, so instead of benefiting the poor price ceilings, as always, predictably resulted in shortages that forced them to stand in line for hours while supermarket employees and the well-connected obtained the products that they needed. And then I'll, one second, we'll get back to your point. Communism does not remove the wealth gap. Communism creates the biggest wealth gap of all time. It creates politically connected and everyone else. You know, even as bad as, as much as I have a problem with the way that our corporatist, America is, I would much mm -hmm. rather be more free market and more capitalist. At least you have a chance. At least you yeah. can develop skills. I can start a business in America and I have a chance to, to better my, uh, you know, whatever plot in life in mm -hmm. communism. It, it, see, imagine, imagine this, let's say you, and I would love to know a, a communist idea on this. If, if, Walmart Inc. bought off all of the federal government, right? 
and we had the United States of Walmart now. They would have a problem with they would have a problem with that, right? A giant corporation that controls everything. Yeah. That is no different than a communist state. It's just a different name. But a communist state is just a giant monopoly. They have a monopoly on everything. Yeah. And that's no different than a giant corporation that runs everything, except the government does it far more inefficiently than any corporation that's having to do it by price motive, you know. But that's the problem with a giant monopoly is there is no, there's no profit motive anymore because there's no competition essentially, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so they just control, but that's all. If you, if we, if it wasn't the state and communism, actually true communism, they say no state exists. I have no idea how that utopia happens. Cause you have to have <laughs> someone that enforces yeah. all this. That's supposedly <laughs> the difference between socialist socialism and communism that I've read. Yeah. And admittedly, I have not read, communist manifesto it is something i plan to do at some point um just because i would like to be educated it might be the most painful reading of my life but i'll do it um but i would like to read some of marxist stuff just to get a grip on what the lunacy that was going on in this guy's head (laughs) and then come back a year later and boy has this podcast changed (laughs) all of a sudden (laughs) blake's is straight up socialist marxist absolutely not but um (laughs) i've read a lot about it but i have not read his books himself so i I feel like it's something i should do if i'm gonna you know uh rail on him but the idea is there is no state and i have no idea how that the only way you can not have a state is something like anarcho-capitalism which is much more of the way that i lean um I don't think I don't know that it's possible. I think you got to have some type of limited government because there's a vacuum. But the only yeah. way you could even theoretically not have a state is if there's private property of everything. But communism is everybody owns nothing. That's really what it is. Everybody mm-hmm. owns nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and it creates a wealth gap because there is a state regardless of how much you try to pretend like you can have communism without a state. The only way to the only way that you can force Ryan to not sell his labor for a profit is if there's a state requiring it. Because what happens in every socialist and communist regime is you get black markets on everything. Yeah. You get black markets on, on all the food because you can't go get it in stores. There's too many shortages. So you end up having a capitalist black market anyway, where people are exchanging goods and that's what it would be, especially with an electronic type dollar situation is the government's totally in control of money that way. And you can't even give money to individuals. You would just have an, a, a barter system come yep. up and it would be horrible and ugly. And it has been again. And then all of a sudden it's even easier for the government to track how much money you have and how much you're saving, right. and how much you're spending and what you're spending it on. And Yeah. There will be no savings. I'll tell you yeah. that. Nope. <laughs> You will have to spend every dollar you have to keep food on the table. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just ugly, man. Venezuela was, I can't believe, I truly, as as much as, I just can't believe how recent this has happened in Venezuela and still socialism is in such a good light in our country. I mean, we are truly uneducated on it. You know, it'd be one thing if like it was, generations past and no one really who is in our demographic ever saw Soviet Russia or, you know, mm-hmm. anything that ever happened, but we just had Venezuela in our lifetime completely implode. I mean, yeah. people Nobody wants to talk about that though. Yeah, you know, it's not fun. It's not cool. 
Anyway, back to uh, what you were saying. I'm sorry. I don't even remember what I was saying. Uh, something about uh, his video. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was it was what we've said before. I realize. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they start taxing the super wealthy or increasing them, the first thing they're going to do is find a way to not pay. Right. Well, yeah. in communism, there are no loopholes. <laughs> well, yeah. But I don't think we have very many super wealthy people living here anymore. You think Jeff Bezos is going to stay an American citizen and live in America if we become a socialist economy? You know, socialist I, w- I want to say no, but um, again, you're once you're so well connected, as long as you get to be a part of the regime, That's true. I don't know. That's true. And that's point. And I'm not talking about Jeff Bezos specifically. I don't mean to point fingers well, at yeah. him, but I'm just saying people who are in, have so much power and influence yeah. already that are already a lot of these giant corporations are already propped up by government and Fed policy. Um, you know, they are quasi socialist anyway, right? We socialize mm-hmm. the losses and let them keep a lot of the profits. Um, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how well. If you just get offered a seat at the table, maybe you're fine with it. That's true. I didn't think about that. It's scary. But that's a little conspiratorial, but it, I mean, it happens, you know? I mean, like, I don't think we're going to get a seat at the table. No. no. <laughs> to make our own table somewhere else. <laughs> um, no, we will not. Let's see. Um, you got any other thoughts on any of that? I'm trying to see mm-hmm. if there's anything else in this article that I. Think we've hit the nail on the head. Let's see. Let me just check this other article and see if there's anything else that stuck out to me. Oh, this is uh let's see. I guess um Yeah. So this was another guy that they were, uh, some professor they were talking about in this Teen Vogue article. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. He then introduces Marx's distinction between the proletariat, the working class as a whole, and the bourgeoisie, the ruling class, who controls the workers and profits from their labor. Um, Let's see. I guess one other thing I might say we could touch on is um, this idea that, you know, the, the rich capitalist is evil. Um, first of all, in our current economy, if you switch jobs to make more money, you're a capitalist. Hate to break it to you. Yeah. Um, but 100%. Uh, if you start a small business like me, I'm a dirty capitalist. I decided to take my labor instead of selling it to another company. I decided I would like to start my own business and yeah. might not be a rich capitalist, but uh, I'm benefiting from the, you're a free capitalist. Um, yeah. So again, capitalists, right? The bosses have to compete for labor, but talk about, Oh, it was somewhere in that article. That was what I was trying to think of. I don't, I don't couldn't find it in there, but I know it's in there somewhere where they talked about how, all of the work was built on the the backs of the factory workers, right? All of all mm-hmm. the wealth was created by by the working class, and um, obviously, I'm. I mean, I believe a company is all 
it takes a team to do anything. And I believe in, like, I don't mean to sound heartless when it comes to this, but you got to understand in that relationship, um, in, in true free market capitalism, no, no one is requiring that you go work at that job. You have the ability, if you don't like it, you have the ability to go to another, another company and sell your labor to another company. So again, it's the, it's the capitalist, the dirty capitalist that actually has to compete for your labor. Um, but, uh, where was I going with that? I just completely lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. The, the, it, these, the capitalist. Now, again, we have a very kind of corrupt system that's corrupt because of socialist government involvement, but in true free market capitalism, um, you know, how do you, how does the capitalist, what is the definition of a capitalist? First of all, it's just someone that arranges capital. That's all it means. It's someone Mm -hmm. that, that arranges the capital structure in a productive, profitable way. So all that means is maybe it's money capital, maybe it's equipment capital, um, it's labor capital, but it, they are taking a risk in some way, the most risk by starting a business. And anyone who started a small business knows this. You are, when you start a small business, you are saying, I think I can arrange capital and resources. That's all capital is, is resources. I can arrange resources in a way that creates value enough for the economy that someone will pay me for that capital structuring right so that's all that capitalism is is let's say you can take a million dollars worth of capital but create 1.5 million dollars of value so that capitalism actually has a creative element to it in that you can take a small amount of resources and create a larger amount of value and and i mean uh, the way i mean that is let's say you take a million dollars worth of resources or capital and you generate 1.5 million dollars in revenue now there's a five hundred thousand dollar profit over whatever period Mm -hmm. of time you now have created literally created five hundred thousand dollars that you can now go reinvest in the economy whether it's hiring jobs or buying other goods from other companies that's what capitalism does but all that is achieved my point in all that is it's that's achieved by the evil capitalist right who actually goes out and figures out how to structure resources in a way that creates more value for the entire economy than the resources that he used to begin with. And if he doesn't do that, if he tries to structure a million dollars worth of capital, but only generates $500,000 of value, he'll go out of business. Yeah. And that's the risk you take when you start a small business or a large business. If you're a small business owner, your goal is always not always, but usually to grow your business, you want to become larger and the majority of millionaires still to this day, as many problems as there are with America, the majority of millionaires are self made millionaires. Most people did not get their wealth by, um, by inheritance or lottery. Most people Mm -hmm. built, built businesses. And so once you build a business, then you can reinvest that money to create other businesses and other capital structures. And that is the rising tide that floats all ships and a free society. Again, I'm yep. not saying America right now is the model for capitalism. I know people, you know, hear that and say, well, what about this in America? You know, and most of the problems you see the worst areas of American economy are places where the government is most involved. Mm-hmm. Housing, uh, healthcare, um, 
I don't know what else. The financial sector is wrought with yeah. socialism. Uh, so all these areas where the government is actually most involved are usually the areas that people blame capitalism. Um, but the most free parts of our society are really the most capitalistic. So anyway, that's Marxism. Mm-hmm. So what else? Let's talk happy thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't you know agree, you disagree with any, any of that? No, I don't. I know I mean, it's kind I of har- harsh. I hope I didn't come across it too is. harsh, but it's, uh, it's one of those things. Ugly. It is what it is, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, we, on that, is that note, a wrap? All right. This was communism with Blake and Ryan. <laughs> This is what communism does to you. It leaves you depressed and wanting to go (laughs) take a nap and get another cup of coffee. Yeah. So again, I want to caveat everything I just said is I care about the little guy. I do. And the little guy wins when there is more individual freedom and liberty and ability to work your way up the ladder. This is not like a, a hate hating on the working class. It's not that at all. I think that, you know, we have, we really had a beautiful thing in America, uh, you know, when we focused on individual freedom and we're, we've kind of lost that, you know, for the sake of, you've got one side of the political aisle that's pushing socialism. You got another side that's pushing this weird nationalism and both sides are just handing money to giant corporations and, uh, bankers, uh, through weird, structures with the federal reserve and uh and that is not capitalism i hope that no one looks at cnbc Mm -hmm. and the dow and the s&p 500 and thinks that that is capitalism the the federal reserve has absolutely destroyed capitalism in the in the world of the stock market and the government is trying its best to do it um so the weird large corporatism thing we have going on in our country is not Blake's idea of capitalism. You know, Blake's idea of capitalism is you own your own body, you own your own labor and you have the right and the freedom to exchange that labor with anyone at any mutual agreed upon price. And that's all capitalism is. Capitalism is just about free exchange. It's just about you can't make me at gunpoint do anything that I don't want to do. And I can't make you at gunpoint do anything you don't want to do. Yep. And I also can't use votes to do that. Right. Yeah. Who was it that said, and I'll be done. One of our founding fathers, uh, you know, was asked what kind of government did you give us? And he said, a Republic, if you can keep it and we're doing our best to not keep it right now. <laughs> yep. All right. This is the weekly anchor talking communism. Uh, Blake and Ryan, we are out. <laughs>